Mackenzie Kirby made quite a few transitions in her career, from a high school teacher to a diversity-based educator, and then laid off due to the COVID-19 pandemic. She decided to use that time to pause and explore her interests. Mackenzie realized how her interest in royal families could lead her to become an entrepreneur. It happened through the use of text messaging. Listen in to be inspired by this story of career shifts, taking a pause, and becoming the co-owner of your royal closet. Mackenzie, could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, both personally and professionally? Yes, absolutely. So my name is Mackenzie, and personally, I am a young professional woman who is a Christ follower, and I am just trying to make my way in this crazy world doing something that I love and really enjoying the time that I have here on earth. Professionally, I have kind of spanned the gamut in what my career is, particularly with English education. I started off in teaching high school and then moved to teaching at the collegiate level and then ended up teaching in international education, um, which I really loved. And it was something that I didn't even know existed. And then from there, I ended up in administration and operations for international education. And I've been working in that area for the past five years. Um, And then flash forward to this year where we had the global pandemic and things kind of went awry. I ended up being laid off at the beginning of May temporarily to come back to work in the fall. And so I've really just been taking this summer to do things that I love that I never would have had the opportunity to do otherwise. Could you could you talk a little bit about what led you into teaching? You mentioned about teaching Mm. at the high school level. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. I feel like I always just thought that I was going to be a teacher, not necessarily because I loved it one way or the other, but it was always just, I'm going to be a teacher. That's just kind of what I thought. And I wouldn't say I was pushed into teaching at all, but I definitely grew up hearing stories about myself playing school at home or being a really good student. And I think those things kind of shaped my opinion of going into the teaching field. And I also felt that way throughout high school as well, that that was kind of a path that was presented to me frequently, you know, from my teachers and whoever I was speaking to. And so that's kind of how I ended up with my degree and my focus originally being in education. What led to the transition from, say, teaching high school to international education? You know, when I started teaching high school, like I had said before, it wasn't something that I was super passionate about. It wasn't something that I couldn't wait to start doing. But, you know, I still enjoyed it while I was doing it. And so while I I taught high school for three years and then went back to graduate school for full time, And I was teaching at the university and I, you know, the professors come in to watch you to make sure you're not messing it up (laughs) for, for the students. You know, one of my professors said to me, you should teach ESL. And I had never, that was not even a thought 
to me. I had never even considered it. And she said it had to do with the cadence of my voice and the way that I use my hands and the way that I broke things down that I would be good in an international education sphere. And to be honest, when she had said that, I wasn't quite interested because I had something else in mind. At that point, I was going to get my PhD in theoretical linguistics and like that's what I wanted to do and so when she had told me this I thought well that's absurd I'm not going to do that and then I thought well I might as well give it a shot for right now and just do that so that I can have some other work that I'm doing at the same time as my graduate degree I ended up getting plugged in in an organization the same organization I've been a part of for the past five years and it was one of the best things that ever happened to me Like I had mentioned before, international education was not something that I had ever even known really existed. Pretty much every day for a long time was something completely new and something exciting and totally different for me. And so it's been really great. Do you remember what your first classes were like? Yes, I vividly remember my first day teaching. I had a class full of Saudi males, and I am from the suburbs in Illinois, the suburbs of Chicago, and I had never even experienced someone outside of my little bubble. So it was quite a shock, the difference in culture, the difference in the way the education system works, the difference in the way that students related to each other. You know, before that day, I had really honestly, truly believed that when people said that they had a different worldview, that that was just ridiculous. I thought that it was just one person's way of saying that they were Republican or Democrat, but we all pretty much have the same views. That's what my opinion was. And so it was a total growing experience for me and it continues to be. And then ever since that day, ever since that first class, I realized, oh no, people really do have strikingly different worldviews in the way that they interact with each other and what they believe in and what they hold most dear to their hearts. Are there any other ways of thinking that may have changed for you because of this new aspect of your career? You're in- One way would just be the way that you relate people, relate to people and the way that I relate to people. So, you know, when I have students in my office, or when I'm dealing with people from other parts of the world, professionally, it's a lot of really just being patient and kind and graceful and understanding, um, and not jumping to any conclusions about something because, you know, someone may say or do something. And you, you know, for your own point of view, you have a perceived reaction of why that's happening. And it might not be the case at all. And so just, I think it's really been for me an exercise in learning to give a little bit of grace to people and having humility for myself as well. Recall you mentioned about someone observed you, told you with the way you use and speak your words, the way you use your hands, that they were strengths. What other skills do you think someone would need to be able to teach in, say, international programs or international education? Uh, That's an interesting question. I think, you know, obviously the ability to break things down is, is really helpful, as well as the ability to show how something is important in real life. I think, you know, so often, and this isn't just an international education, it's, you know, in 
our education system here as well. We learn things in school, but don't see how it directly relates to what's going to happen to us in our future. And I think that is a especially a challenge in international education. So one really clear example of this that I have noticed is with plagiarism. And so in different parts of the world, plagiarism isn't seen as drastically bad as it is here in the American school system. Plagiarism or cheating can be seen as helping a friend out as your obligation as their friend is to help them to answer this or to help them to write this essay. And so when I relating this back to your question, something I think that is a strength that teachers need specifically in international education is to relate why what we're talking about right now is important for their future. So why would it be important that I focus so heavily on academic honesty in the classroom? Well, because when you get to university, you don't have that many opportunities. Once you get caught once, it's maybe the second time and then you're out of there. This is really important in American culture. And so I think one of the strengths that teachers need to have in that field is really just relating what they're learning to what they're going to experience in the American culture or, and or how that relates to their own culture. That was a strong example because we do really push the issue of plagiarism. It's in our syllabi. There are the academic, there's the academic honor code, which mentions it at many universities. And I appreciate how you shared that connection of how it may be perceived one way as a, as a way of helping and supporting. And then it's viewed as something negative and can be harmful to a person's academic achievement. That was a great example. Right, absolutely. There is definitely this very different opinion of what that is for possibly the international student than the professor who's teaching that class. And you could see where there would be friction in a conversation about that. You had also mentioned about the pandemic and layoffs and kind of using some time to explore your own interests. Could you tell our listeners what you have found out about yourself or what has come out of that period of exploration for you? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, with the field of international education being so dependent on what is going on literally across the globe, it's not a surprise that when the pandemic really started to take off, um, our organization, just like many organizations in the field, or I would possibly say almost every organization in the field had to do massive layoffs and temporary ceasing of obs- of operations. So on May 1st, I was temporarily laid off to be returned this coming fall for the school year. And I saw so many people around me, not just from my organization, but from other organizations who were really in this panic mode of, well, what do we do next? You know, do I wait and hope that my job comes back? Do I try to find something else? What do I do? And for me, I just kind of felt like God has taken care of me my entire life. I actually wrote out a list of all the times that God has come through for me um, and knew that everything was going to be okay. Um, And so with that in mind, that made it, that obviously made a big difference in my mindset to not worry about 
the situation, um, I just thought, okay, so what do I want to do with this time that I have this? I haven't had a summer off since I used to teach high school, which would have been, you know, I think seven years ago. Um, so what do I want to do with this time? And for over the summer, I've been able to start a business with two close friends of mine. And it's been such a learning experience. It has nothing to do with the field that <laughs> I'm a part of, but it's just been so much fun and something that I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do if I hadn't been laid off. I'm excited to hear a little bit about this business. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I will start by prefacing this by saying that I am obsessed with the royal family, not just the British royal family, but all royal families. Um, and I have been for a long time, probably since Kate and Will got married back in 2011. And, you know, I've had this Instagram account that I have just had developed over the last year and have met some awesome people in this community of we call them royal watchers <laughs> um, and have met some great people. And last year I met one of my business partners in person for the first time. And she happens to run two other, she and her partner happen to run two other really successful um, royally based websites as well. And so when I found out that I had, was being laid off, I reached out to her and said, Hey, I think now is the time for us to start this business that we've been talking about. Um, and so we did, and it's called Your Royal Closet, and it is, you know, as we would describe it, it's the ultimate destination for royal consignment clothing. So um, there is a whole huge community of women out there who, you know, love the style and the fashion of Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle and so many other royals uh, that I won't go into, but who love to wear or, or be inspired by their outfits and so our website brings those items of clothing to them because so often those outfits sell out really quickly um, like within minutes they usually sell out and they can be very difficult to find and so our website brings that search I guess you would say to them um, and so it's been such an exciting time and we really love it. I'm thinking about how you said you engage with your business partners and there was one you met for the very first time. How did you all end up kind of coming together to truly start this business? So if you notice, I've met one of them. I haven't even met the other one. <laughs> so we started our business via text message and that is absolutely serious. Um, we have not had a single phone call about it. We have not had a Zoom call about it. We just text back and forth. On the occasion, we might send an email, but with their experience from the other two websites that they run and, and their background in e-commerce and developing websites and my background in sustainable fashion and finding duplicate versions of different outfits, we really just trusted each other with, um, our skills and our abilities. And that was kind of how it led to us being able to do this together. That's a great example of group work. That's perfect. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We all have different strengths and skills and they all are super complementary to one another. We started off talking about how you were a teacher mm -hmm. and now you are part of a business called Your Royal Closet. 
as well as international education. So it's interesting how it started one way yeah. and now you're in another place. Have you ever reflected on that? Yeah, actually, um, a few years after I had graduated from my undergraduate degree, this must have been in around 2012, I was asked to speak at the university that I graduated for, for um, my the group of people that were in my major. And at that time, this is only two years after I graduated, I said, you guys will probably not end up in the field that you're in, you're going to be doing something completely different than what you're doing. And that was only two years after I had graduated. <laughs> Now, if I were to go back and do it again, I would say the exact same thing. And I think it's just about being willing and being open to new opportunities, um, being a hard worker. I mean, you definitely have to be a hard worker. You have to be excited to work with other people. You have to be innovative. But if you're doing all of these things, if you're doing essentially best practices, any job, the opportunities will find you. People will recognize your strengths and your abilities and you'll get to move into different circles and do different positions that you didn't know maybe even existed before. You also mentioned that the layoffs are coming to an end. So have you given any thought or created a plan of how you will balance your full-time job as well as your Royal Closet? Yes, absolutely. So the great thing about, not a lot of people say this, but the great thing about being laid off (laughs) But it really gave me the opportunity to hone those skills and to fully understand them. Because by the time my layoff will be over, I think it'll be about four or five months um, that I will have been laid off. And so by that time, I'm almost at that point right now, but by that time, I will have a really strict schedule of when I work on my business that will mostly be Saturdays. Um, And then some evenings, you know, and that's made possible by technology, right, where I can have things set up so that they go out throughout the week, Um, products available, so they become available throughout the week, and I don't have to be working on it during that time. So I think, I think I have a pretty good plan of what that's going to look like. And, you know, having these four or five months has really been able to train me to get better and quicker and and more efficient in the planning. Mackenzie, I've had a wonderful time listening to your story about your transitions in your career, even your planning, your organizing, coordinating with others from a distance with very little, (laughs) say, communication. (laughs) I think that is awesome. Are there any closing words or tips that you would like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I think just be open, be open to new opportunities, be open to new things that come your way, new people that come your way, because I think that will lead to lots of success in the future. Your willingness to do things, to be a part of different opportunities will lead to things that you probably didn't even know existed. And how can our listeners find your website? Yes, of course. Our website is www.yourroyalcloset.com. And you can also find us on Instagram at yourroyalcloset. I'm so thrilled we had the opportunity to hear Mackenzie's story. Don't forget to visit the show notes for her website link. And please share this episode with at least two friends right now 
and encourage them to listen to There's Power in Your Story. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and I look forward to sharing more conversations with you soon. Take care. Thank you.